on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. And he's like, dude, you haven't even looked at Shark Tank. This is a big deal. All right. Then I find out they get 40,000 applicants per season. And I'm like, I'm not going to get in. But I will say that I lied and cheated to get on the show. Okay. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Rick Hopper, my man Hopper, here on the King stage. How we doing, Rick? Dandy as usual. Dandy, you know, we just went through a, a Rolodex of, of nicknames that, that uh, you were telling me that you had as a kid. With your last name, Hopper, I had a good buddy, or at least a, a, an acquaintance that had the last name. I don't even think anybody knew his first name, but, you know, it sounds like your story is a little bit the same. A lot of names that people have called you over the years, but we call you Rick Hopper today. King Rick Hopper today. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Prince, Prince at best. Prince at best. Well, we appreciate the humility, but I want to know what kind of business that you got or businesses. Oh boy. Okay. So I don't know how far back you want to go, but I developed a line of products for a specific industry in 2001, did that for 10 years and sold it. And then I did a, another product and I got on Shark Tank in 2012. I, I did that from about 2011 to, I sold it about a year and a half ago, <clears throat> 2021. And I just started a company last year called Wicked Good Adhesives. And now I've got just about, I'm working on a a recipe for some chicken food called Hopper's Happy Chicken Feed. <laughs> Rick, you, you're an inventor as well as an entrepreneur, and and so many so many cool angles that we can go here today. But the one the business that you just sold, tell us just a, a thirty seconds on that because, like you said, you're on Shark Tank, you got a deal, you you exploded that, and obviously sold it. Tell us just a, real quick what that widget was, and and give us oh, a thirty second snapshot. It was called a reader rest. I had to start wearing the hangs in your glasses, hangs in your shirt like this, and I'll show you a little example. You bend yeah. over and your glasses don't fall out of your shirt. Like when you hang on your it. shirt collar. So yeah. people absolutely love these things. I, I sold millions and millions of these things all over the world. Then I launched a line of reading glasses and then we became viable. So somebody bought the company. There you go. There you go. I love even just the little tidbits that you dropped there about making strategic moves to become viable. And obviously that that's ended up what you did. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stories there for us to get into. Like, okay, so the inside of Rick, we've already heard just in the quick, you know, minute that we've been on here that that you're inventing multiple things, you have multiple companies, you've exited, you've, you know, built and exited multiple times. What's the deep core inner part of Rick and what's the burning desire down in there? I drive my wife and my friends crazy with this lingering question in my mind that is forever I'm plagued with this idea, there's got to be a better way. Everything I look at, everything that's happening around me, I look at it yeah. through the eyes. And it's, this is not a conscious decision. This is this is not a gift. This is a curse. Trust me. <laughs> when you look at something being done and you go, oh, God, there's got to be a better way. And yeah. along with that comes with, and my friends, all my best friends and my wife, I drive them crazy because no matter what the plan is, it's always, or you know what we could do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard to get right. anything done with with because <laughs> uh, there's always there's always another way and a better way potentially, right? Well, you know what you get it. What's funny? Everything I've ever done, I had a vision for it. I took I started taking action, knowing that the, my original plan is at best a B minus, but I know it's going to turn into an A plus because it always takes a shape of its own, no matter what. I think it's going to be, and you have to have an open mind and, and you have to be very malleable. You have to be able to just roll with the changes, man. 
Yeah. I, I love what you said there because for a half second, you know, the, the listeners don't know this, but with with our show, we're we're introducing a new platform. We've been using Zoom for three hundred plus episodes, and now we're over to Riverside. and And even just our first like fifteen minutes of inter- interaction here has been a little bit a little bit clunky, and and us trying to figure things out. This is only our third or fourth episode recording on here, but for that per- first little piece of you saying that there's always a better way, in my mind, I was like, oh no, like he just totally judged me. Not really, but like the whole process, and like <laughs> yes, there's a better way. And I'm like, oh man. No, yes. I was more, I was actually more curious. You did have you, what three hundred and fifty episodes? Yeah, and you're what four or five episodes into this new platform. We, yeah. Was that was that we had problems with the other one, or somebody says, "Hey, bro, we got a better way to do it," and they convince yeah. you to do it a different way. Which one? Was yeah, it? we we just we were just looking to upgrade, looking to looking to do better. And so, to your point, actually, of iteration, it, it, it's not that you look at something and think, "Well, it's not perfect." It's just like, okay, well, maybe there's a another level to go to, which I think is actually super in line with just how entrepreneurs and how even myself operate, because we're always, we should always be looking to grow ourselves or our family or our business or a process to do something. And and so the mind that you've described that you have, I think we all have to a degree. It just maybe burns inside of you a little bit, a little bit deeper for for you to like change the process. There's one factor that a lot of people get hung up on and that's Every once in a while, we think we have a better way of doing something and we make a change and we go that direction. And it turns out it was a crap sandwich. And I heard recently that I heard somebody say recently says, just because you order a crap sandwich doesn't mean you have to eat it. And so if you're if you're prideful and you try something new and you're going down that road and you go, well, because it was my idea, I'm going to do this, even though it's worse, you convince yourself and you try to convince everybody around you that it's still a good idea. Instead of humbling yourself saying, hey, man, that was a bad idea. Let's go back to the way we were doing it. Let's go a different direction. It's hard, yeah. hard for a lot of people. It is. It's a really good point. And thank you for bringing that out, Rick, because as entrepreneurs, we do this a lot. Inventors, I'm sure, even more. You know, the old adage of uh, it took Edison, you know, a thousand times of not creating the light bulb to create the light bulb. But imagine if he had given up, in essence, is what you're saying. And so I love that. I love that. Just ability to keep going, but also to maybe take a couple steps back. Humility is required in that. Anything else to be able to actually move forward with a different idea, even though your quote unquote new idea that you thought was better wasn't? Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 tough. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of things going on in the world right now that we see in the news. And I'm not going to name it, but there are some people that are trying some trying some new stuff. And and the suicide rate is in, absolutely insane for some people who try something new. And what's sad is all the people that are out there talking about this stuff. They leave one very important part out. You can change your mind and go back. People think that they can't humble themselves and say, you know what? This isn't, this isn't what I thought it would be. I'm going to go back. Yeah. People don't know that they can go back. Yeah, that's so good. There's, there's obviously human psychology that we're really getting into here. And the idea of once I've planted my roots, I, you almost like dig in your heels. Even if, even if someone knows that that it's not no longer a good idea or that you know that whatever they chose is a crap sandwich but we have this ability to just naturally dig our heels in and yes it's ego it's pride we don't want to be wrong how have you as an entrepreneur in that moment been able to not only enlighten yourself with the ability to yes i can go back but then to take the actions rather than digging heels in to actually start heading back that's a tough answer. I think I, the, the trick is, I think, being completely honest with yourself, 
having the ability to be completely honest with yourself. And when you realize you made, made a wrong choice, saying, being able to look yourself in the mirror, right? Straight dead in the soul and say, bro, you're going the wrong way. You have to hum you have to go tell everybody in your company, hey man, this was a bad choice. And and you know, it's even if it's even more difficult if you allow somebody inside your company to make a decision and you're the authority and you gotta there's a, a, sometimes it's tricky to go to that group and say, Hey guys, I think you're going the wrong direction because there's there's always the, the risk of are you doing this because you're the boss and you you're, you have the authority or is it really a good idea? Especially if you have a, a, somebody in that department that is maybe personally invested into the project and he's yeah. prideful or she's prideful and they won't admit right. that it's the worst wet, bad direction or they try to convince right. you that, oh, we're just not there yet. You know, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's tough to everybody involved to humble themselves and go back and say, hey, this is, this is not, we got to make an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that you've mentioned as far as not only just the recognition, but then the the action of communicating and, and just trying to come to a consensus that maybe we do need to go back, it's usually a domino effect. That first person who's humble and who lets the ego go and says, I made a mistake or, hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe back where we came from or a different direction is where we need to go. Do you, do you Have you found that in your companies as well? Like when that first person humbles themselves, then the rest of the people kind of like follow suit as opposed to digging in heels and saying, no, let's let's fight forward anyway. Yeah, it's actually honesty is, is as contagious as anything else. It really is. This vein that we're on, it's so interesting that we just we just jumped right in and we're right on it. But I, I want to I think that we're on something super valuable here. And you just have you have some language that I want to be able to pull out for the listener. The last little piece I've got here for you on this, like staying humble or going back to where we came from, how do you know in that moment? Because again, you've invented certain, you know, so many different things. You've you've created companies, built and exited multiple. There's been moments where you've had to choose to either persist or to say, no, I'm going to be humble and go back. How do you know in that moment whether to just push through maybe what's a little bit hard and it's not really a crap sandwich, you're just, you just got to persist versus this is a crap sandwich. It wasn't a good idea. We should go back. Any insights there? Yeah, I, I have two, two things come to mind. One of them was there was a, I, when I developed a product called Trim Quick back in 2001, there was a peel and stick window trim for window installers because I had installed thousands of windows and, and I, I, wow. I needed a, I need, I had a problem I needed to solve. And I turned out I solved it for many, I mean, thousands of window installers that fell in love with this product. But yeah. when I first manufactured it, it was, it wasn't perfect. I wasn't a manufacturer. I was the designer developer and I was the sales and I, mean, I, I did the rental whole company, but I hired an extrusion company to make my tool, my die for me and, and, and manufacture the product. Well, it wasn't perfect and it, it was flawed. And he, it was close to perfect, but the product didn't even work. My customers were mad. They wanted their money back. This is my very beginning of this business. And so I went yeah. to bed that night and there's been, there's been three or maybe four times I've heard a voice outside of me that I, my, my God, every once in a while audibly speaks to me. And I was in bed, it was two o'clock in the morning. I was totally defeated. And I heard this voice, get up. It's two o'clock in the morning. And it was mm. maybe five or six times over and over, get up, get up. And it filled my mind and the room get up. And I'm like, yeah. what on wow. earth? This is the weirdest thing. So I got up anyway. And, and then once I was up, I knew 
it, then the, the clarity came to me is I have to go to him and tell him what the problem is. And instead of giving up and saying, this just isn't going to work, because I was nothing. I was a little guy, nothing. I had no money. I started this yeah. company with my only $5,000 I had left over from some savings, wow. whatever, back in 2001. Yeah. And that worked out. But more importantly, the other story I want to say, talk about is I had had to make an adjustment to my back plate. See this thing here. I think I got some in my pocket. I'll just show the camera a little bit. This is my giveaway version. So it's got white back plates, just this little white back plate right here. Okay. So Uh this little guy here marries up to a front clip and this goes under the shirt and that clamps onto your shirt and you're hanging glasses. Well, I originally made these out of steel. And we glued with double part, two part epoxy, glued magnets to the steel plate. Well, this violent contact right there was shattering the adhesive. And it had probably 30% product failure. You're out of business with with 2% product failure. Well, people still were buying the product. And and I had these customers love this product so much that they would actually glue them back on instead of complaining. (laughs) <laughs> sure. People would call me and say, hey, what kind of glue can I use to put this back together? <laughs> it was amazing. So I had to make an adjustment. So I did it. Now I made a mistake. Instead of re-engineering it into plastic, I tried to reuse about 100,000 magnets that were not the right magnets to put inside the plastic. And they were weak. So I had my injection mold guy drill three holes. So I had these little, I'm going to call them little nipples, these little tiny nipples that in, a, in, in, in like in three places where you, when you when you set the magnet in there, you tried to slide it yeah. off, it would lock it in, right? Yeah, yeah. Not because good. I was trying to save money on tooling, and yeah. and I was trying to save money on magnets. It wound up costing me at least ten times more than it would have been to spend the twenty grand on a brand new tool using more powerful, thicker magnets. Wow. It was. I wound up, I literally wound up throwing 300,000 backplates in the trash. Yeah. That was painful. It, it, that, that cost me. And it was, and I was just fine. My customers kept, all my customers were telling me, Hey product, you're you're this, this new product, this new variation is terrible. I'm like, no, you'll get used to it. Really? It's, (laughs) and I'm like, and I, one day I go, Oh my gosh. This is wrong. I have to go. I have to change yeah. it up. Yeah. 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 You weren't listening. And, but eventually you did. I, I actually, <clears throat> you know, you, you did a really good job of answering that question. The persistence for you is in alignment with, you know, what you've been called to, or maybe an essence of faith or an essence of maybe an audible instruction, which I think is incredible. And and then there's the times where you got to be humble. And I think that there's a mixture of both for all of us listening today. We've, I mean, maybe we haven't heard an audible voice, but we, we've had those moments where we know we need to persist and it's not ego. There's a, there's a big difference between persistence and holding on to something or digging our heels in when, when really we know that it's not the right thing. Like that moment that you said, this isn't right. It's like, it came to you. There was clarity. It was like, oh, it was enlightenment of, I need to do this a different way. And if you had chosen at that moment to stick your, no, 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 this is the way we're going to do it. Dig my heels in. Then that may have been the detriment. Would you agree with that? Would you add anything to that? Yeah, I would also, I'd, I agree with it also. I would, I would add that, that, you know, having been on Shark Tank, you know, you go, you get on Shark Tank and you're, you got 15 minutes of, of TV time. <clears throat> Everybody thinks you're a genius, no matter what kind of, 
no matter what you're capable of, everybody thinks you're a genius because you got on Shark Tank. Well, turns yeah. out I have I have an eye for I do have an eye for products that may or may not make it into the marketplace. And I've had literally sure. hundreds of people contact me with their with their projects, their ideas, their patents. Some people have just a, a, an idea on a napkin <clears throat> and no intellectual yeah. properties or no inventory. Some people have intellectual properties and they haven't manufactured it yet. And so they have no product to sell. Some people have products, tons of products. They have a product that they have tons of inventory. They just can't get it sold. Anyway, I've had every yeah. variation of people come to me with, hey, I got this idea or this thing. And yeah. The worst thing, the hardest part, the worst thing that I, I experience is when I have to tell somebody honestly that their product or their idea that they've been, they've been working on for two, three, four years is going to die a natural death and there's no way it's going to, that people are going to buy it. I mean, I've had people yeah. tell, sit in front of me across from a cup of coffee saying, tell me, give me a hundred reasons why people are going to buy their product. And I only need to give them two reasons why they won't. And that's why they won't. Yeah. So yeah. some people don't some people don't actually solve a problem or meet a demand. They actually just try to create something that they think they can convince people to buy. And right. if people don't want it because of the other all the other alternatives, it's it's just really tough when I I'm watching when I watch people persist on something that they should give up and move on to something else, that's right. really painful to watch. So there's real there's a time there is a time to push through and persist and drive. I know this one, this one of my, my biggest mentors, the Rogers, Betty and Jay Rogers, they had started a company that's worth, I think it's, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars it's worth now. They sold it for plenty of money before the, a new company took it up to the next level. But they had a product that they knew was going to be big. And yeah. they tried to get sales for two years without a single sale. Yeah. Two years, but it it was a really difficult product to sell. But once the market took it on, it yeah. blew up, and they knew it would, and they didn't give up. They knew to persist, and they had right. had other companies, and they just they had they. Do you want to talk about having an eye for victories? They've had many many victories, yeah. and they're the ones that started business and I was telling you about business Ed. There's, yeah. They're the ones that founded this nonprofit that services that serves the the small business community. We'll we'll talk about that later. But the yeah. persistence, it's got to be it's it's got to be in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to know in those moments which which it is. But I think we've given a pretty clear understanding. Like in in your inner part, you know, you know, call it call it intuition, call it you know, maybe even the Holy Spirit if you're faith filled, or if just a consciousness or a subconscious voice. There's something on the inside of you that's whispering this or that. And it's just a matter of how much we're in tune with that and how much we take action on that. So I think that you actually gave several examples. I want to give you a second here to give us a little bit of your history. Like, let's let's just go super practical. Give us, I mean, you gave us like like 30 seconds, but tell us about these previous companies that you've built and exited. Give us a little bit of your rap sheet here. I, I want the people to know just how, what, what kind of a genius, to your own words, that they're listening to, even though you probably wouldn't take credit for that, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to I'm going to serve it up to you. <laughs> oh man, like I said, the having that that mind that the ideas come from the ether, and you get yeah. you know, a little lightning bolt of idea. Because I don't think that I'm not the author of my skills. I'm not the author of my abilities. I'm not the author of any of my capabilities. Those are granted to me by the Creator. 
So it's my job is to take the action and do the hard work that comes along with what what I really believe is a is a, either a good idea or a great project. And when I was a little kid, I was I didn't know well, long before I knew I could make money at anything. I was designing stuff and building stuff. I I built a sail for my skateboard because I saw windsurfers out in the ocean windsurfing. I thought, man, I could windsurf on my skateboard. So my dad was a plumber. I grabbed some PVC pipe and a, some duct tape and I built a sail. And I, I had a, yeah. I always had a hole in the toe of my shoe. So I tore the hole big enough to fit the pipe in and curled my toe back. And I'm sailing around the neighborhood. I'm like, my sail, my friends are chasing me. Hey, let me have a, anyway. Oh, wow. So, and then when I was eight, I think I was eight, 18, I, there was no word called surf, snowboarding. There wasn't, there was no such thing as snowboarding. There was skiing and that was it. Yeah. And so I, I was shaping skimboards and a lot of people don't know what a skimboard is, but when the wave breaks and it comes up the sand and it leaves a little film, you can ride a board and go yep. ride the wave. Well, I was shaping yep. skimboards because I couldn't afford a good skimboard. And I, so I, my friends were going skiing up in Mammoth in California. And I thought, man, I always wanted to surf in the snow. I'm going to make me a snow surfer. So I built this thing that looks a lot, what a surf, a snowboard looks like today. Had a foam and fiberglass and put brackets in it. Literally with rope, I tied my hiking boots to this board, and I went up and wow. I hiked up for hours up this powder mountain. And I surfed. Uh -huh. I surfed in the snow. Next thing I know, Burton shows up with his snowboard. I think I was in my mid thirties. I finally decided I was installing some windows, and it you know you had to cut the trim around the interior and then cut it and put nail gun. And then you got to cock it and paint it to match the windows. That man, I need. To, I, I wish we had something else. So we did. A, we did a strip of plastic that matched the window. Applied double sided tape to it. Sold it in twelve foot lengths, and people bought the heck out of it. I mean, it's just we we yeah. we blew that thing up pretty quick. Started the company with five grand, and within I think three years, we were selling five million dollars a year with these strips of plastic with double sided tape. And that company's yeah. still going today. They're doing great. I think I, I sold my my part of that in 20, 2010. And right about that time, I had to start wearing reading glasses because I turned 40. And anybody in their 40s, that, most people, that nerve that it makes the adjustment to being able to read the fine print, when you see people doing this, uh -huh. that's because that, that adjustment nerve doesn't work anymore. And so we have to start wearing reading glasses. Well, now you put them in your shirt collar. I, yeah, I've already told you the story a little bit. And my best friend says, hey, bro, I saw this, this, this lady with a pen. You should do something with magnets, something to that effect. If he, if he, yeah. if he, uh, see, if he sees his podcast, he'll be like, that's not what happened. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep the short, the story short anyway. So that's right. Of course I went out and bought, bought a bunch of magnets and I, I made a prototype. Well, actually the first thing I did is I took a paper clip. I opened up a paper clip, bent it in a U shape and snipped off both ends and epoxied uh -huh. it to two magnets and put a, put a fender washer under my shirt. And I literally wore a paper clip on my shirt for about a year. Wow. And it wasn't a business. It was just a place to hang my glasses. And every day, at least three people would point at my shirt. What is that? Where do I get one? And so I thought, well, maybe that's the next big thing. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm going to trade shows, street fairs, farmer's markets, golf show, gun show, home show, anywhere there were thousands of people. I would have my booth set up and people walk yep. up to my booth like, what is it? Because it was a new thing. It, it, yep. it, didn't, it didn't register in people's minds what it was. So they walk right. up to my booth and look at like, what is this? And then when I showed them, a lot of times I didn't have to say a word. 
I would just yep. put my glasses in there and flip around like I did earlier. And they're like, oh my gosh. And before they even ask how much they are, they're pulling money out of their pocket and throwing it on the table. Yeah. They just how wanted much? one. Or yeah, is it, yeah, how many can I get? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. How? Anyway, so we started selling. And then for six months, I was selling these things just direct to people across the table and at, at events. And yeah. the number one thing I heard, I literally heard it thousands of times was, dude, you got to get on Shark Tank. And I don't watch a lot of TV. So I'd be like, what's that? What's Shark Tank? Like, what? You don't know what? Because this was about the, the season three was come about to start. And I'm like, and I didn't even, I didn't pay attention to yeah. all the suggestions. Dude, you got to get on Shark Tank. Sure. So finally, about six months into it, my best friend calls me like at 11 o'clock at night. He knew I'd be up with my fingers bleeding because I couldn't make these things fast enough. I was making them by hand in my garage. And he, he's all, he's all, you're an idiot. And he hangs up. Those weren't the exact words he used, but something to that. <laughs> That's what you heard at one least, other right? Word, <laughs> there's one other word mixed in there. And hangs yeah. up on me. That's old school for hangs up on me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, we, I, I've done that same thing. I'm like, yep, yeah, hangs up. Yep, yeah, right, got it. <laughs> what well, all the kids are like why do you do that when you say that <laughs> yeah and, and, what, and then why what do you what do, do what this? does that even mean you, you put your phone down yeah they don't even put their phone up in it anymore they got an earpiece so they got it on speakerphone yeah change of fast anyway so uh, so i like what's up bro and he's like dude you haven't even looked at shark tank this is a big deal so all right well then i find out they get like forty thousand applicants per season and yeah. I'm like, I'm, there, I'm not going to get in. But but I will say that I lied and cheated to get on the show. Okay. So I I did an email submission. There's all, They have all these things. They go around the country, Shark Tank. They go around the country and they do auditions and all this stuff. I, I've never, I never did any of those because back in Applied for Season 3, and I hadn't seen the show ever. I just looked up online a couple little two-minute snippets of what the premise is. And I realized, oh, wow, this is kind of a big deal. A lot of, everybody knows about it but me. I do an email submission and there's rules. Do not send samples. Do not send videos. Here are the things we want. We want your domain, your, your, you know, a description of the product, a picture of the product, a picture of you. And uh, that's it. We don't want to hit, we don't want, because they get, think about having to rifle through 40,000 applications. You want as little information as possible and yeah. you don't want videos piling up. So I, I gave all the information at the bottom. I said, if you want to see a picture of me, click on this link. It was a moving picture. So mm. I sent a video anyway. And uh, I'm like, what picture. do I got to lose? I don't even know about you. You're going to fire me yeah. from your show? I'm not getting on your show anyway. I'm just one out of 40,000. So a week later, I get a call from the producer. He says, hey, it's a nice video. I go, you like that? He's like, actually, I did. <laughs> anyway, that, that was fun. And then I so. I got on the show and the rest is history. If you want to see the show, you can, it's season three, episode six. It's a really cool little, little event. Check it out. I can jump around, swing a golf club, bend over all I want, and they're not going anywhere. Matter of fact, I can take a major tumble and there they are, safe and sound as usual, right where I left them and always within arm's reach. I'm going to make you an offer. Yeah, you got a deal, and they can they can take a look at it there. We'll put actually the link in the show notes for them to check out. But okay, so you've got this incredible history. Thank you for sharing. Love the story, honestly, because there were so many little tidbits in there. Of like you said, you're not listening to your friends talking about 
you know, the show, even when you got to the show, it was like, oh man, 40,000. You could have just said, no, thanks. Like so many, you know, steps along the way and you didn't. I think that that goes back to our initial conversation of persistence versus, you know, knowing when to hang it up. I think that all of the, all of the roads were pointing towards this way and you kind of just persisted through those little things, which I think is, which is great. You you had mentioned earlier <clears throat> some good decisions or good decision making. I want to know through your journey, because you've got so many different maybe examples that you could use, but I want you to pick out one thing that you can think about. This is a really clear, good decision that's led you to maybe a lot of what the success you have today. What would be that one thing that we could maybe learn from and apply apply to our own businesses? You know, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go biblical on you for a minute important to me because there was a time in my life when I was a young man myself and my team somebody challenged me to read the proverbs the that goes out every It's right smack day. in the middle of the Bible and if you and it's perfect for people sort of who really are, are shy away from religion too. they shy so away from Jesus and hell and heaven and condemnation and all the judgments finger pointing you know all of the things do this on social media on all the different platforms the book of proverbs was written what, 4, mediums, years uh, ago by love to be a guy that was quite possibly the most successful guy that ever walked so the earth business as quick as possible. and who so happened to be the spawn of sin, of like as far as I'm concerned, because his dad was David Bathsheba, I'm pretty sure, that's a whole other story. That's a story you can't even tell in Sunday school. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. That's right. You're 100%. Hey, that hot girl over on that roof, go get her. Anyway. No, so King King Solomon was 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 blessed by God in a in big way. He had more property and more cattle and more. I mean, he just this King Solomon was super successful. And at the towards the end of his life, he wrote a couple of books: the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. So the Proverbs is packed with basic wisdom, and just so happens there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So, like today is what the 13th. What's today? That's right. Yep. Yeah, today's the 13th. So if I haven't read the Proverbs in three months, I'm like feeling spiritually hungry because I'm just feeling discontent in some way. And I challenge people all the time, like, hey, listen, if you're just feeling sideways, even the slightest bit sideways, and there's nothing you can eat or nothing you, nobody you can talk to that's going to make you feel better, it's because you're spiritually hungry and there's nothing else that will fill that hole except for God's word. And it just so happens you can read some read some Proverbs of the day, literally takes three to five minutes. I'm a slow reader, takes me five minutes. So you take, go to Proverbs chapter 13, there will be something in there that's going to take root in your heart that's basic wisdom that really ultimately comes from the creator. And yeah. that's that has had an unexplainable yet undeniable effect on the way I see life and the world. And it gives me a really unique perspective on business, relationships, and how I treat people and how I make decisions, yeah. because it gives it, it kind of it gives you a an eternal perspective. And then we're just we're just here for a little while. I've said goodbye to a lot of friends lately. I'm about to uh, this week. I'm gonna, I need to sneak up to Seattle because I got a friend that's going to make an exit. He's he's got some stuff that they can't fix. And he's in mid fifties, and I've I've said goodbye to a lot of people lately. I said I had another friend die last week, and and you know it's just a reminder that wow. we are we are here for a little while, and while we have breath in our lungs, we make high quality decisions, we build high quality relationships, we're super cautious about who we surround ourselves with, and I mean not everybody thinks this way, obviously, but yeah. everybody should. 
Hey, kings and queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, you're speaking to the right audience because the people listening to this show want to make good decisions and they want to surround themselves with good people. They want to be able to go to the next level. I, I loved your biblical reference there. I think it's super applicable. Knowing a little bit of your backstory that that is maybe more relatable to the non-believer, how did you come to this place here where Proverbs is your is your go-to, this was the best decision? Because it actually plays into all of your decisions. So it's it's the the one decision that plays into all of your other decisions. Like you said, you open it up, you read something. Actually, there's quite a bit of very practical wisdom in there that you can apply to almost any decision that you've got. So I totally agree with you. But how did you get to that point? Someone might be listening right now, and maybe their point for them is listening to you say it. But how did you get to the realization that, opening that book on a regular basis can fill the cup of making good choices. Yeah, I'll I'll get to that in one second, but I do want to say that, I mean, I had a lot of the Proverbs memorized and one of the Proverbs says, of what use is money in the hand of a fool for he does not even desire to get wisdom. Yeah. I mean, how powerful is that? You stumble across something like that. You're like, oh my God, I, I bust my... I bust my ass day in and day out, seven days a week, 14 hours a day to make money. And I haven't even bothered to get wisdom. And it's, and I don't even know how to keep the money. I don't know how to invest it because I'm just so busy trying right. to get of what use is money in the hand of a fool. Or a, anyway, and then there's another one. Another, another one of my favorites is a proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a, 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 a drunkard swinging around a thorn bush. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is, I just want to, to throw a little teasers out for people that are thinking, maybe I should read the Proverbs. Like, ah, no, read the Proverbs. Yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. I will tell you, how did, how, did, how did I come to the realization that it might have some value in my life? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yep, well, I, exactly. had, I had the privilege of having a girlfriend in high school for three years whose dad was a Baptist preacher. Okay. And I didn't know it at the time, but... He, he, when I go hang out with my girlfriend, who I really liked a lot, so I wanted to go hang out with my girlfriend. Every time I'd leave, a lot of times he'd hand me a little business card with a Bible verse on it, and he'd say, "Don't come back till you got it memorized." Well, you know what I did? I want to go hang out with my girlfriend. I didn't memorize the stupid Bible. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it had whatever it, it takes. <laughs> and it had an undeniable effect on my soul, and it turned a light on that that no way else that light comes on. I have a lot of friends that are atheists and I love hanging out with people that don't believe and, and challenging them. And I asked, I have, I have a, an uncle that's going to, he's in his mid 70s. He's not a believer. And I want everybody I care about to be in heaven when I'm there. So I, I tell people all the time, I go, Hey man, I ask people, do you know how much faith it takes to get to heaven? 
Yeah. And a lot of times they, they're like, no, they don't know. I go, almost none. I mean, it's very, very little faith. Now I talk, talk about the mustard seed, how tiny it is and how tiny that seed is and what it grows into. And I, I explained that the guy hanging on the cross, the, the criminal that's hanging on the cross next to Jesus, he didn't believe in God. He just looked over at Jesus and says, hey, and he, you know, and there's this thing that in people's minds that go, what if it's true? What if right. Jesus is who he said he was? What if there is a God, a loving, caring creator? What if there is, just in case it's true. And so that thief on the cross, in his mind, he goes, well, just in case it's true, he says to Jesus, remember me in paradise or remember me when you get to heaven. So this guy says, what if it's true, Jesus, hey, remember me in heaven. And, the, and Jesus says, well, that's all it took. That's a tiny bit of faith. So, and I tell all my friends who don't believe, I go, look, I found a ton of relief when I decided to let God be God, allow myself to understand God in a very limited capacity, because there's no way I'm going to ever figure him out. I promise yeah. I will never argue with anybody who claims to have God completely figured out because they're selling something. And I, so you let God be God. You allow yourself to, to be a really bad prayer and really not very good at faith because none of us really is that good. People that pretend to be really right. good at having tons of faith, very few of them are actually really good at it. So I think that that yeah. humility of going, hey, man, I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to seek him to the best of my ability, even though I suck at seeking God. I'm going to seek him to the best of my ability and let God be God. Oh, my God, what a relief. And then that's the, that, that attitude is more attractive to everybody around you. That's why my atheist friends, when they have questions about the Bible, they don't go to the preacher. They come to Rick Hopper because he's going to be honest with them. I'm not saying that preachers aren't honest. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes some yeah. of us are easier to approach. Yeah. For the person listening right now that's wondering if this is a, ta a tangent or how this is applicable, it makes a big difference when, when you understand what faith is because I can – first off, I agree with you. From a faith perspective, all of the things that, that Rick has shared, the, the same effect has been in my life. However, even if that hadn't, I can associate those things directly to what belief or faith in your calling, your purpose, your business, your family. I can associate all of those things, and, and it's the exact same seed or the mustard seed, the, the seed of faith. Because if you do not believe genuinely or even just a little bit, there's no, there's no chance. And so, like you said, it's like it's the what if. It's the true optimist perspective of, well, what if? That's what an optimist thinks. Well, what if this? What if I could create a new product? What if I could do this? What if I could do it better? What if there's a better way? What if I could have an amazing marriage? What if I What if I could make it to heaven, right? Like all these questions of what if, it opens up the realm of possibility based on belief. And that what if is the beginning of belief. And so I love the way that you said that because that must have yeah, I want to circle back real quick and, and my, yeah. my uncle that's in his seventies, that's his health is weak. I, I wanted to call him and challenge him on this. And I told him, I said, what, I, I said, what if, when you say, what if it's true, maybe Jesus is who he said he was and I can relax and, and not waste my energy defying and denying the existence of a loving creator. And I just let God be God. And, 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 and just seek him to the best of my ability, just even though I suck at it and I really don't even know how. And my uncle says, yeah. well, he says, well, even I can do that. You know what I mean? You pop the door it's open. A, it's true. Yep. Even I can do that. It's like, 
what an incredible approach to give people yeah. an opportunity to seek God to the best of, best of their ability and to give them permission to suck at seeking God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's authenticity of what it means to be human. And, and what it means to be human is that we're broken, that we're not perfect, and that you know we are going to be separated unless we accept it. And so for the person listening right now who's still listening, who's curious, I think that this, this angle of the what if or the what if I'm wrong or the what if it's right, it can it can it doesn't have to be a fear tactic. You mentioned, you know, the the kind of like the the preacher that maybe isn't honest. It, well, it's not that they're not honest. It's just that the way that the information is presented sometimes comes across as fear. The way that Rick's talking about it though here is just very open. It's like, hey, why not why not why not at least think about it for a half second? And I think that there's freedom really in that. And and you kind of just describe that for yourself. And obviously now for your 70 year old, you know, uncle, it doesn't, it's not about perfection. It's not about getting to the place, which again, this co all correlates to business. It's not about having the perfect product. You talked about iterating several times through different magnets. It's about just going, okay, well, what if we can do it better? Or what about the next level? Or what about the next choice? And when you know that it, you're a broken individual and that we're going to try to better our business or better our marriage, or in this case, I'm going to get better and better at seeking God. It's okay well, that I'm not a, perfect right now. <laughs> yep. There's, there's a ton of, there's a, there's a lot of release and freedom in letting God be God. And there's, you know, what if is one concept. Another one is as if I'm going to use the word as if, because I had this guy reach out to me. He's a kind of a big time dude. He's very, very successful. We don't compare to others. We don't compare ourselves to others, but you can compare others to others. And you, when you identify somebody who's very successful, the guy calls me out of the loop. He doesn't even know me. His name's John. I'm, I'm not going to say his last name. He's uh, kind of a big deal in Vegas. He says, hey, I saw you on Shark Tank. I want to take you to dinner. I'm going, oh, this is kind of weird. That's not creepy at all. And <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I, 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 I'm going to Vegas for to show next week. I call him. I say, hey, let's go to dinner. The guy just wanted to pick my brain on something. There was, he saw something. I mean, this has happened. I could. We could spend a whole episode on the people that have contacted me that said, yeah. dude, I saw you on TV and I know I can trust you. Weird. That's the number one thing I've heard more than anything. It was the weirdest thing. I know they can trust me, but you could trust jo Jeffrey Dahmer too and he had to eat you. So how do you know that you can trust me? Anyway, so this guy calls me. So I go out to dinner with him and, and, I, and, I, and I know what the guy's in the middle of. I know what he's doing and we've worked talking for a while. And I stop him and I go, hey, what's the difference between a guy like you that takes massive immediate action all the time, gets almost bats a thousand, has mad success, goes, I mean, doing, I mean, got properties and businesses and partners and just nothing but win after win after win. I said, what's the difference between you and a guy that is out there just floundering? He goes, well, yeah. I can't fail. I know, I know no matter what I do, I can't fail. And I'm and he says, look, it, there is no fail. There is no such thing as fail. There is only win and there is learn. Yeah. And you've heard everybody that's was listening to this podcast has heard it a hundred ways in a hundred different ways. But I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the guy everybody's talking about. This is the guy when everybody says the word, oh, you know, all you have to do is, is, is live your life as, as if you can't fail. Well, this guy's not living his life as if he can't fail. This guy knows he can't fail. So yeah, he's resolute. I mean, it's pretty when I when I first heard the the best way to win is to live life as if you can't fail. 
Well, that's a wannabe version of the guy that knows for a fact he can't fail because there's no fail. There's only win and there's only learn. I mean, yeah. so as if. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I so appreciate that perspective. I heard from one of the guys in my mastermind group. This was in the last week or so. He said, I think I've become dangerous because I, I just have finally gotten to the point where I don't actually think I can fail. And so, and he used the word dangerous because, and I loved it. I loved every moment of what he was saying, because it's exactly what John in Vegas was talking about is when you have complete permission to just go knowing that it's either going to work for you or you're going to learn from it and it's going to work for you. You just go and you go fast and you don't worry. And it doesn't mean that you don't have bumps along the way. You, you even in this show, you've described several bumps along your way. But that's those things have helped you become the Rick Hopper who's talking on the podcast today. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I wouldn't change a thing. I made a lot of mistakes in my life, and they all—they're all part of the recipe. So how do you, how can you have any that's regret right. when you when you become who you are? That's right. That's right. All right, I got to go to our speed round here. I want to know of you know like when you, okay a lot of different businesses, a lot of different products, but when you think about like a top KPI or like the one thing that you would track in any business that you've ever had. What would be that one thing if you could only pick one? M math. <laughs> <laughs> you you just took like three or four and shoved it into one. I love it. Explain yourself. <laughs> <Math>. <laughs> know your numbers, math, okay? Oh, you know what else? It also is relationships. I mean, I've, yeah. I if I if I fall in love with my employees, I fall in love with my vendors, my suppliers. I fall in love with everybody I do business with because at the end of the day when I'm laying on my deathbed, gasping my last breath, I'm not going to remember bank accounts. I'm going to remember people. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I love, I love both of those answers, math and, and relationship. Inside of math, what came to your mind when you were thinking that? Like my P&L, the calculations from top line to cost of goods to, you know, profit margins and, you know, controlling expenses. And I mean, really, it's something I ignored for a really long time because I just I was more of an artist in my mind, and I was more interested in in the art and the product than I was the yeah. And that you know, when I figured out I'm not making any money, what the heck's going on here? Boy, we got all this revenue, and and I, you know, I wasn't controlling expenses, and I wasn't optimizing, you know, cost of goods, and you know, you know, anybody that's thinking about going into business, it's like, bro, how much how much people how much are people going to pay for it? What's the perceived value? How much is it going to cost to make? And how much is the business going to cost to run? Do the math. Yep. I, mean, it's a, I can't believe how many people don't do the math. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You you called yourself an artist. There's a lot of craftsmen. There's a lot of specialists. There's a lot of fill in the blank. Not a lot of business people. And, and that's what you're yeah. elevating the listener to right now is to be a craftsman of the business, which is the P&L. Yeah. And if you suck at it, find somebody who likes doing that. Dude, one of my keys to success is most of business, I don't like it. I don't like the the, the calculations. I don't like the, the, the doing bookkeeping. I don't like having to deal with tax records, but I surround myself with people who love doing the stuff I hate to do. It's a beautiful, beautiful relationship. That's right. That's right. What, what business resource have you gotten value from? You've already given us the book of Proverbs. I love that. Is there another book, a podcast, an event? Anything like that that you have gotten value from that you can share with us? I'm going to plug Biz Owners Ed. It's in North Texas, yeah. DFW area. 
It's an organization that started 10 years ago. Uh, number one, surround yourself with people that know how to win in business and life. And I, God dropped me into the laps of these people. I mean, I could have moved. I, I spent 48 years in Southern California surfing and snowboarding. And I moved 10 years ago. I moved to Texas for obvious reasons. We're not going to get into that. And God dropped me into the laps of the most incredible human beings on the face of the earth. And they recently asked me to take over a nonprofit they started about 10 years ago. And their, 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 their goal is to help serious, committed entrepreneurs grow their companies. And yeah. it, they do it through mentorship and an annual event for 10 weeks called the, the main session of Biz Owners Ed. But you can look up bizownersed.org and check into that. We've had people fly in for 10 weeks from New York wow. to, to attend this class. We select 12 people, just like Jesus did. We select 12 people to sit up in front of the class each year. And the gallery in the back will have 100 to 200 people in the back every single Tuesday night for 10 weeks, watching these 12 people interact with a different different instructor every night, different mentor, speaker, all, all walks away. So this owner's ed is really powerful. But when yeah. you say resource books, you know, what, what, you know, the, the obvious list of books that, that all the, everybody talks about, read them all. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's so much incredible content as far as, as far as, as far as that goes, I, I think having the right people in your life, surrounding, surrounding yourself with people that know how to win and always calling and asking questions to people that have the answers to the, to the questions. And if they don't have the yeah. answer, I mean, always ask, you know, if, if, if you're alone inside your head, you're in a dangerous neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You got to be able to have, uh, have a community. That's how we're designed to do life. I got a question for you kind of in that same line around community, but more so specifically family, but it can be extended to community, the people around you, the families that's around you as business owners, we know how to like go all in on our business and like recommit, be obsessed but a lot of times we're searching for balance. And I think that balance is, you know, kind of a, a term that is, doesn't exist. I think obsession exists. I think that we can obsess over our business. We can obsess over our wives or our, our spouse, our children, our community, you know, um, a church, anything like that. And so my, my question to you, Rick, is how have you obsessed over both of these things? Like, let's, let's call it family and business or business and all the other things at the same time. Well, first I'll give you my definition. Of, I'll, I'll first I'll give you my definition of balance. When I was a little kid, I was probably seven or eight years old. This park down the street had the biggest teeter totter you've ever seen. It was a piece of lumber that must have been like uh, a six by eighteen, big giant yeah. heavy piece of lumber, and one and it was balanced, right? And I would climb up on that thing in the middle, and I would stand right in the middle, and I would get that thing, and it would stop perfectly balanced. That's not balance. The next thing I would do, I would get it going to where I wanted it to not touch the ground. So when the, when the beam would go up, I would run up the beam until it started going down and then run as fast as I can to the other side. Uh -huh. And I would go as far out to the beam as I could possibly run, run in full speed, both directions. And as long as it yep. wasn't touching the ground, I had balance. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what you do with your family and your business. Yeah. And you go, you go, if you want more specific details, I could say, you know, I go, when I'm at, I'm at in the office or out on a job doing sales, I'm focused on the sales. Yeah. I got a family I love dearly and that's why I'm doing this. But yeah. when it's time to go be with the family, you go be with the family. Yeah. 
I love the the visual there, the running up and down the side here is with the family or running up and down the side is your sales meeting or whatever. And you're, and it's, it's not a matter of choosing one or the other. It's actually a game. Like I saw you as a kid in my mind, having just a blast going back and forth and back and <laughs> forth and, and like competing with yourself almost, you know, I'm sure you wiped out a oh. couple of times. Would you? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And I, but I would give anything. I got my knee replaced two months ago. So there's no more beam running for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you gave it, you gave a great description there, how, how you can do both and, and have a blast doing it. That, that's just what I took from you. That's what I've actually taken from you. This whole podcast is that you're full of joy and, and at each thing that you're doing, you bring a level of joy or levity as we call it. One of our core values with gathering the Kings is Kings are levity and we remove stressful or pressurized situations and, and we bring joy. That's what a King does. And so I just appreciate that perspective. I got one more question here for you, Rick. Because I gotta, you know, you you've you've said something that maybe would deter me from asking this question, but I think that you'll give us quite a profound answer. And this is this: if you could go back in time to the younger Rick, and you could whisper in his ear, what would you say to him? Well, there's a lot of Christians listening, so I've got to be have to choose my words wisely. Because my first, okay, you can edit this out if you want, but it would be. Don't be a pussy. I mean, mean go for it. Go for it. You have one life to live. Surf bigger waves. Jump out of airplanes. I mean, go jump. Do the biggest jumps you possibly can. You're going to ruin your knees anyway, and you're going to need to get new knees. You might as well completely ruin them to get new knees sooner, and then go through those knees. I think doing more and, and, and not being afraid... You don't toot your own horn, but I've had a very good effect on people throughout my life. And it matters to me. How people feel matters to me. There's a fine line we walk to where we care about people. We care about how they feel, but we don't dictate our lives around other people's opinions. So caring about how people feel, it doesn't matter. You're going to go drive your life and you're going to go succeed and you're going to go make money and you're going to take market share from somebody. You're going to upset some people out there by going out there and winning and taking market share from an industry and you're injuring somebody unintentionally. Well, you can care about how they feel, but it's our jobs to go out there and be good stewards of the talents that we've been given. Hey, yeah. look at this. Look at the, the look at the parable of the talents. He, yeah. The, the master didn't just reward the guy. He took the talents away from one guy and gave it to the guy who was going to do something with it. Well, That's that right. guy was bummed out, but yeah. it was a lesson for him as well. So I think, uh, what would I what would I whisper into my own ear as a, if I could go back and say, hey, Rick, there's some things you need to know. Number one, the Cubs are not going to win the World Series in 2015. It's actually 2016. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm talking yep. about. Yep. But it's, yeah, continue to treat people great, but go big in business because it's it's as easy to make $100 million as it is to make $3 million. And knowing that now, I probably would have made a lot more money, but I'll tell you what will be on my tombstone. And I, and I think this is what drives Rick Hopper. What will be on my tombstone is it's going to say, Rick Hopper, he could have made more money, but he couldn't have had more fun. Yeah, I mean, we picked it up yeah. here from you today. I mentioned just the joy, and obviously that that's a piece of what you just said. So I I, I can already tell that I'm picking up the the vibes that, that you're wanting to give, even your tombstone phrase there. 
you're you're a hundred percent joyful and and excited about life. Your energy is contagious. You've been you've been incredible here today. But I don't want it to end for the audience. You've already described how many people have found you via you know Shark Tank and and plenty of your your companies. But how can how can they go find you? A listener right now, they're trying to find Rick Hopper. How can they find you? How can they connect with you and uh, and get more information about you, your products, the things that you're involved with, your projects, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I got uh, Hopper's Happy Chicken Feed is not alive yet, but uh, I would love for people to go to Amazon and buy a roll of my adhesive. It's an incredible product. Wicked good. Uh, don't judge me. My logo looks just like Gorilla Tape, and I don't love it. I don't love that I look so much like Gorilla, but we're going to make some adjustments to the logo. And uh, if anybody's like super inspired, they want to ask a question or something, you can email me. My, it's rick at rickhopper.com is my email address. Super easy. I sold the Redirest company a year and a half ago, but I, I wear them every day. It's a great product. I swear by it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on camera, but the guys that bought my company, they suck at customer service. So that's that. We, we loved our customers and you guys don't seem to care that much about our, our customers as much as we did. But I think that's the nature of a, a you know somebody that you know buys up a hundred companies in two years. They're they're aggregating yeah. stuff, but right. That's what their yeah. thing is. Yeah. So, so if yeah, you if you have um, a bad I'm, customer service experience, it's not Rick. <laughs> I tell you what, right now though, if if I get a bunch of solicitors emailing me for to sell me services, I'm just yeah, deleting them. I just I just delete all those. Yeah. Yeah, we've 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 had so many incredible guests on the show, and and so many of are willing to give a personal email or a phone number, even, and social media, and and we try to we try to protect those things for for what it's meant to be, and and that's that's for a handout, a hand up, and so Rick's giving you not only just gosh what forty minutes, an hour of just incredible value, but you know just being respectful of of the reach out as well and being valuable actually. I had just a couple of podcast guests just, I don't know, last month that were like, look, man, if you're going to bring value, that's, that's what I did when I reached out to people on podcasts. You you reach out to bring value, not always get stuff. And so that's that's the best way to build your network. Rick, you have been a blessing to me and the audience here today. I hope that the blessing is returned back to you and your family and the projects that you are still connected to or the new ones that are coming. Because my wife is a is a big chicken farmer, and I bet you she'll be looking for that chicken feed <laughs> in our local okay. store or Amazon here soon. And so, again, Rick, you've just been incredible. Appreciate you being here. Right on, bro. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified 
other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.